This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Okay, welcome everybody to a somewhat belated uh, Rotherham Review edition of Forever Bristol City podcast. I'll hold my hand up now and say I wasn't at the game. I've seen the highlights, all the key incidents, but uh, I'm going to be uh, relying on uh, my two uh, cohorts this evening. And uh, It's a welcome return to uh, the podcast, first time in a long time, to uh, Dave Fevs and Ian, who is speaking to us from foreign uh, climes, having flown somewhere for a nice uh, week away in the sun hopefully it's a bit warmer than it is gentlemen good evening welcome to the podcast how are we feeling feeling good, yeah, good. brilliant okay yeah. well look, we do what we normally do and uh, i think dave's listened so he knows the format uh, dave i'll come to you first just give me a quick 15 second th- 15 second 30 second view of the game as you saw it your immediate post-match thoughts um i guess caught a lot of control early part of the game um then we lost a bit of control in the probably the, the middle third and then probably fairly even for a bit. And then last 15, I thought we, we came on quite strong, but it was it was quite open as well. So it's a bit of a bit of a mixed bag, really. I think, you know, start was good, but uh, probably oh, just about deserved it, I think. OK, that was going to be, did, did we deserve it? So you say yes. Ian, your uh, summation of the game. Well, let's start with the positives. Uh, City's performance in the first half, certainly. Uh, Tommy's goal, fantastic header, brilliant cross by Campering. Uh, Bell's performance, he really is getting into that role on the left-hand side and he's a right nuisance to Mark. Uh, arguably, we should have had a penalty when he, he was he was pulled down. It was certainly as much a penalty as the one that they got. Uh, no injuries that I could see. It was a win, three points. We bettered last season's points total. Um, Vyman's goal is a sub he was effective when he came on for Alex who wasn't having his best game we're effectively 13 points clear of relegation with only 6 to play for uh, for the teams in a bottom 3 um, 5 shots on target we've extended our home run and uh, won only our 3rd game of the season with more possession so there were, there were positives there were some negatives from it um, I, th- I think it was a soft penalty. 
once again, no shooting from outside the box. Some first half misses, really glaring miss from Corning. I mean, after a fantastic move. Yeah. So oh, I go with, go along with what what Dave said. It was the cure its egg, wasn't it? It was what's becoming a typical city home performance, certainly, where you get really good bits, really bad bits, a lot of average bits, and um, it, it's something where it's something that Nigel Pearson has said in virtually every interview and every presser he's gone with is say that we've got to get more consistency, which is why he wants to bring in, as he put it, a few more experienced players. Oh, well, let's see what shape they uh, they take. Dave, um, the starting lineup. there were changes made. Uh, I mean, the positive, as I saw it, was playing Cam Pring in uh, what is his number one position. Uh, but Cal Naismith coming back into the side. We, we, did you did you expect that lineup? Was there any surprises in it from your perspective? I think the big thing going into it was Tuesday night's post-match comments. Were they a bit of kind of masterful man management, really the subs, and in particular Conway and, and Scott? And was he going to bring them in with a kind of flea in their ear? Or was it, you know, just going to be a, a similar side to what he picked the, the week before? I think, you know, and as it turned out to be, it was, right, I've given you a bit of stick, Tommy and Alex, now go and prove me wrong. And, uh, you know, we can debate on, how well or or not that 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 went in in a bit, but um, I think I've been saying for weeks one of the things that has probably not helped us over the past six eight games is not having Campering at left back, and that's because we he's had to play centre back, so it's not you know a stubbornness from Pearson to not pick him there or anything like that. He's you know he's not had any other other choice to you know than to play him at centre back, and it was. You know, it was almost kind of perfect, wasn't it, that he went down that left left wing, slung across across, and uh, Tommy Conway headed it home. So, yeah, good. I think it was a, I think the kind of side that most of us probably would have picked. You know, if we could have got inside his head, I, I think you know there always be one or two changes. But I think a lot of us want to see Scott, a lot of us want to see Conway, and a lot of us want to see Naismith, and finally a lot of us want to see Pring at left back. So it's kind of the right side, I think. Yeah. Ian, you said to me about the lineup when we were talking uh, after the game. You said Naismith, you know, it's good to have his ball playing skills there, but as a defender, he can't help himself in over elaborating sometime. But do, do you think it made sense to bring him back into the into the back four, even though you know our preference is for him to be in midfield? Well, you you gain and you lose, don't you? You you lose out slightly defensively, and we all know that Cal's got it, and he was blowing after 70 minutes, because Og Bene was taking him to the cleaner. Mind you, he was giving Campering a tough time as well down that right side. Um, but his range of passing makes a huge difference, and he can play through balls, which our other players struggle with. Although Zach Viner, often it's a superb diagonal. It seems to be the straight 20-yard ones that, on occasion, Zach, Zach um, struggles with. So I'd prefer to see him in midfield. And curiously, McCrory, who apparently is 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 coming in, um, uh, the Aberdeen fans I've asked, I've spoken, uh, sorry, I've uh, communicated with today, have said, actually, he can play. If you're playing a four-two-three-one, he can be on the right-hand side of the two. So the position that Matty James would 
normally play, if you will. So um, I think he, they, but they've also said he's a decent right back, decent right wing back, um, and he, he's a good right centre back. So it's good utility. Uh, well, we'll talk about transfers later, but good. Yeah, good but utility. I mean, that's the. It, so he sounds a little bit like a right-footed version of Cal Naismith, which would be no bad thing. But yeah, I, I think what you get with you, you know what you get with Cal. Um, I don't think I use the phrase. I think it was somebody else you spoke to me about. They've used the phrase. You know, he is what he is. He can't help himself sometimes, and that's why I think it's good when you've got Matt, Matty James in the side as well, because when Cal, if Cal does go a little bit walk about and it doesn't come off, Matty James can get in and shut the door behind it. But yeah. I, I'd much rather, we're a much better team. Just look at the numbers. We're a much better team with Cal Naismith in it than rather not than in out of it. Rather than out of it. Okay, Dave, uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, on that? yeah just, just, just on Naismith, I think, um, I, I think in, you know, since he moved into midfield before he got his injury, I think we all saw the benefits of that quicker passing in midfield and, and particular quicker passing into Alex Scott as well. So Scott would get his opponent on the half turn or even facing forward where he can be much more dangerous. And I guess we we miss that a little bit of him being at, at centre-back at, um, in the weekend. Um, but I think the other thing that we, we got from Cal, which is probably not his real strength, was aerial ability. And we had a yeah. bit more height back there. He's better in the air than Cam Pring. And that's no you know dissing of Cam. He's done a great job there as, as covering. But there were a number of set pieces they put in, either throws, free kicks or corners. And I think Naismith must have been the one who got his head on virtually all of them. And his, his kind of stats are pretty good for that for the for the weekend as well. So that was a, a bonus to get someone with a little bit more height back in as well. I'll stick with you, Dave. Both of you have described uh, the goal, which was a type of cross from Cam Pring that, um, you know, we don't see enough of from Jay De Silva. Um, and I've, we talk about Jay and whether he's going to be amongst the ones leaving. But uh, you first, Dave. Cornick's miss, which I've seen, unbelievable. Conway, no penalty. Just your view on both of those incidents when we were looking to build on what was a deserved early lead through that Conway header. But uh, take us through those two as you saw them, Dave. I guess Conway's is... It's probably quite unbelievable. It's probably as unbelievable as Zach Viner's fly over the bar against Middlesbrough and Andy King's at the far post against Huddersfield. You know, I, I, I'm sure I can use the word shit happens on 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 this pod. And and it's just one of those things, really. It'd probably been better if he'd have, if it had just come off his shin, it had gone in then. But it kind of it was a it was a slightly bouncing ball. You know, he, of course he's got a score. No one's you know no one's saying it, but it's just. I guess it's kind of a bit typical of, of of his form for us in in some respects. The penalty, well, I guess I guess there's two two penalties. I thought Scott, um, sorry, Bell's early on was. I'd have liked to have seen it again, um, and because it looked like that could have been a penalty. But Conway, he's got he's got goal side of the guy. He's cutting across him, and I don't care what you say. It done when you've got someone who's literally on your back and you lay a hand on him. It's a penalty. And the only reason, seriously, the only reason the referee has not given it is because he's booked him one minute earlier and he knows he's going to have to send him off. And and that, that to me is unacceptable. And everything that happens after that is is irrelevant in my in my mind. It doesn't matter what happened to Hugo. It doesn't matter what happened to um, the other guy, um, Kelly, later on, although I'll, I'll talk about that later as well. They should have been down to 10 men. 
we're probably 80% going to go 2-0 up against 10 men and it's a different game after that. And the ref has completely changed the game from a poor decision. Poor poor performance of the referee uh, overall. Oh. You'd, agree, you'd agree with that, Ian, because, I mean, we we come on to the penalty uh, in a minute, the one that was given against us, but uh, those the Cornick miss... And and the Conway uh, incident. Do you do you agree with Dave's view on that? Yes, I do. And he, in Pearson, uh, has said that he's just sick to death of being patronised by the uh, PGMOL, the Referees Association. Um, Josh Smith, his name was. He's got a reputation for giving out cards like confetti. I thought he was fussy, but he bottled the major decisions. And that's how you can, you can tell a good referee uh, because they don't bottle. If we'd have had somebody like, I don't know, pick a referee this half decent, Paul Tierney, um, a, a referee like like that, it had been penalties and the lad would have been off because those are the decisions you've got to make. It, it, you can't, you know, can't be all nicey-nicey with everybody. And Zach's, well, I think he got himself in trouble by miscontrolling that ball. Um and I think that one was, I would say, clumsy. The one later on, I don't know. You can't, re- I can't really get enough angles on it to say was it or wasn't it. It falls into what I call I've seen them given category. But when what? look at Pearson having a um, a file full of letters from the PGML. So we're really sorry. You know, sorry. Over- no, that's not really good enough. Just we're could really be, sorry when like, you look at sorry oh, over a season could be ten or twelve points. In ten or twelve points, can be the difference between staying in the division or going up from the division, getting in the playoffs. And I, I, people say, well, it evens itself out. I honestly don't think it does. I, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking, well, some of these guys really do spoil the game. And I think we've had some good referees um, this yeah. season. And I wouldn't put. Yeah. Some of our, our uh, defeats down to reps. I'm, I'm not going to do a war knock on it. No. But I, I think we you did that these things need to be looked at and need to be improved. And I think VAR um would whether you like VAR or you don't, personally I do like it because I think it's better than what we've got now. And what we've got now is we've probably been declined, I'll say half a dozen, seven or eight penalties this season. And alone, Dave, you wanted to put a, a, a yeah, just, was that just on referees in general or on no, it was the, the Pring Kelly one. It, it's actually worth really watching the, the kind of replays of it. And I'm not sure if the, the club ones that went out, you know, show all of this. But if you, one of the angles I saw, Kelly plays the ball with Cam Pring's leg. So he's actually kicked the back of Pring's leg and then mm-hmm. he's, he's tumbled over. So actually, he's, it's not. It wasn't a penalty. Much as I thought, cool, that looked a bit suspect at the time. It actually wasn't. He's play, he's, he's the one who's fouled Pring and played the played the, the ball with Pring's leg. You know, sometimes how that happens where you kick the back of the defender's leg and the defender's leg goes on small. That's that's what's happened. So that wasn't a penalty yeah. for me. Yeah. And that penalty, Dave, came the one that was given came put them back in the game, got Nigel's yellow card for complaining and what have you. Uh, I think, did Max go the wrong way for that one, Dave, when he went down for it? Or yeah. He did. Yeah. He went He went down. And I guess that was when Rotherham had their best spell of the game for you. Was it that sort of, I don't know, 65th minute onwards sort of thing, yeah? 
Yeah, I, th- I think what would would a little bit is you know I think Andy King's overall has done a really good job over the last however many games he's played in the centre midfield, and I think he's still really good on the ball, but I think every second half of late it, the game's caught up with him a little bit. Mm. And you start seeing Matty James get drawn out of position. We start to see gaps in front of the back four. And you know, so it's not, you know, King has done a great job in there, but I think his legs, it's about he, legs. I think he's I think he's a 50 55 minute, not a 65 70 minute. Or, yeah. or so he's the guy you could bring him on. Like 78. I mean, do you think, well, since we're talking about King, do you think he'll be here next season in a playing capacity? And rather than being a 60-65 minute guy, is he a good 70-90 minute bloke when you're looking for that little bit of experience? What do you say to that, uh, Dave? Certainly more the the latter of what you said in that, you know, he's more cover and, you know, a bit of experience to see you through a game not not starting. And, you know, that he's, I say he's done a decent job. He's still a good passer of the ball, but I think he's... He Run can't down. get through, and he's played. He's played quite a lot of games actually as well. So yeah. you know, I think that's another factor in it as well. Yeah, Ian, the substitutions when they came, seventy-three minutes. So allowing for time added on, there's a good twenty minutes to have an impact on the game. Sykes on for Cornick, and then uh, Scott off. Um, the right substitutions for you, and the timing, okay. I think the timing it could have been done earlier, um, because we rather we're having a good spell, and. Um, we only needed another bad refereeing decision and, and they'd have either got a draw or they could conceivably have won it uh, in, the, in the second half. And they, rather than were the worst side I've seen at Ashton Gate this season, I didn't think much of their defence. But going forward, uh, when they decided to have a real go in the second half, I, I thought they were OK. Um, and I think they'll probably, on what I've seen, probably stay up. Because uh, it looks like, to me, like the bottom three are going to go. But, yeah, I hope they do stay up as well. I like, I like got a bit of a soft spot for them. I think they do things the right way. Yeah, they do. And um, and I thought they had a good following on Saturday, Dave, as well. It was a lot more than I thought they'd bring. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's we've had a problem for about thirty five games in scoring goals, and I know we got two on Saturday. But with the talent that we've got, we should be scoring a lot more goals. But injuries, once again, have robbed us. And going back to Andy King, I think Andy's a good player. Um, yeah, at his age, um, and it <laughs> makes makes me laugh. I'm probably getting on for 30 years older than he is, and I'm talking about his age. But I think um, he, he there is talk he might want to retire at the end of the season. If, and it's a massive if, we can get our squad to be more injury-free, certainly more long-term injury-free, um, because Andy King's only out there because of injuries. We've mm. had injuries to Matty James, Joe Williams, Cal Naismith. Dallas. Cal's a good player. He's, I think that was his 21st start, after, and we've played 44 games. So, uh, in the league, I'm talking. So, it's, it's a difficult one. Um if we can get the players to stay fit and if we can get a stronger squad in the number I'm looking at, as I've said before on air, is somewhere around 28 instead of 23, 24, then uh, yes, that will that will have a big impact because you will get that consistency because you won't lose those key players. And okay. 
the, the thing this got us a few times is we've lost them at the same time. Mm. Um, and, and I think when we played Luton, we had two back-to-back games. Luton was one that we lost. And, and and Huddersfield, wasn't it, or something like that. We we drew with Huddersfield, but Luton was one we lost. And it was just and Cardiff was the other one, I think. And it was just a bridge too far. We were dropping like flies. Yeah. Thomas Callas, he's been out. And they don't just go out for a couple of weeks. They don't get a kick on the shin. Well, they're always out, they're always out for a couple of months, it seems, with us. Well, at least. I mean, Thomas I mean, has played about four games in the last 12 months, I think. I, 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 we'll wrap up the game in a second. Obviously, it's good to have an opportunity to have a chat with David. We haven't spoken to for a while. Ian said consistently, we need a squad of 28, not 23, 24. Um, you know the squad size of the of the other clubs in the championship, Dave. You know, your your in-depth analysis is, you know, is 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 renowned on the forums and what have you. Do you think that's wishful thinking on Ian's part, having a squad of 28? Or, or 28 what? Is it 18 good uns and 10 fringe players? What do you say to yeah, that? Yeah, I think I, I think it all depends on on makeup um of of that of that squad. And and I'm you know, without going to you know numbers, I I'm I'm kind of of the belief that you know if, if we've got you know, and I don't like talking about you know best 11s either, so apologies, but just uh, you know, humor me for a second. If, if we had a, our best 11 and we could improve it by two players, I almost kind of see that as like a four player swing because you move the bottom two players out or two worst players, if that makes sense, and you bring two better ones in, and and your, your 11's four players better. That, that's kind of the way my mind works. So I think for us, it we've shown that when we've got players players fit as Ian said we, you know we're we're competitive aren't we you know we can give everyone anyone a, a pretty decent game the problem is is when we lose a couple of the key players and then you know again Ian's, Ian's right we, we've lost a couple at the you know at the same time that we lost early on the season we lost James and Naismith at the same time and then second half of the season we lost Naismith and we lost Williams we lost Conway you know we we lost some key players, doesn't matter how old Tommy Conway is, he's a key player for me, he's the, the, the real deal in, in, in my eyes and therefore we've not had enough good players to come in to take us through those busy, you know, Saturday Tuesday, Saturday periods where typically either part way or the end part of it, we're, we're flagging a bit so I think it's about bringing in some robust players uh, that, that mean that we've always got a good match day 18 regardless and then whether that's whether that's 23 players with good backups or 28 players with good backups what we need to understand is i guess you know where where do where, where does omar taylor clark fit next year is it is he a kind of genuine first team or is he you know first team cover and, and, and none of us know yet until we start to see what happens throughout the summer but we're, it'll be i i don't think it'll be as many as ian wants just purely because of the finances and secondly that nige probably wants to keep a slightly trimmer squad than that. Um, Andy Vyman said in his interview last week, you know, the good thing is that everyone in the squad knows that they're in with a chance of playing. And I think that's kind of one of the main kind of principles yeah. of the squad. Yeah. No, that, I'll, that, stop, I'll stop there. That, that, no, that, that makes total sense, Dave. Ian, coming to you for the winning goal, uh, Andy Vyman, uh, I, I've, you know, had to eat humble pie last season when, you know, 22 goals, 12 assists. It's not been a great season for him, but, you know, he scored a cracking goal about five or six weeks ago. I think it was against Blackpool. And then uh, he pops up 
um, with with the winner. But um, Vyman, uh, you know, that was a typical Vyman goal. And what part do you think he plays in for City next season? Because he's got one year left on his contract. He's he he he, he didn't start this this Saturday. Is he is is he definitely in your match day eighteen? Come what may next season. Without checking the numbers that that I've got, I think I'm right in saying that Vyman's got an option, so he might be here for another another two. Um, but uh, well, when he got the goals and the assists, he was playing with a proper number nine, and Antoine, um, and he was playing as a ten, and he he got. 22 goals, 10 or 12 assists at the season of his life. So there's a lesson there. When somebody says, where do you play him? You don't play him right wing back or right back or uh, right wing. You you play him in that 10 role. And if, if, he, if he isn't playing there, or he can also play as a second striker. But at the moment, we're, we're playing a 4-2-3-1. And that necessarily means that you've got one guy up front not two. I know the white players join in and all the rest of it, but that isn't the same as if if you went four one three two and you've got two strikers running both channels and with Naismith's ability to get the ball through to them on the floor, and for us to keep playing forward because one thing we have got is tremendous pace. I like all the young players. The the pro- my idea with the squad and the reason I said twenty eight is at, at any one time we seem to have somewhere between four and six injured. At one point, before we played those games uh, against Cardiff and Luton, or after we played them going into the Luton game, we had nine players out. Mm. And if you've got a squad of 23, you don't need to be uh, Pep Guardiola to say, well, hang on a minute, we're a bit thin on the ground here. No. I mean, uh, again, I just... It, I don't see us solving the injury. And, and no. one of the things... I, I asked uh, Brian Tinian, well, you were you were with me, is, is that how are you going to maintain the quality of the squad when top, top, top players, and when we said, I said to him about Alex Scott, um, I said, City, you know, there's a lot, lot of talk that he's going to move out the club for 25 million. Brian said, oh, and the rest. Yeah. So, no, he did. He did say there's obviously some something. You know, there's more than a rumbling going on. Um, but if if you lose the example, I'll give you. If you lose Jay De Silva, and we all know Jay's limitations, but we also I also think he, positionally he's an absolutely superb left back. It, it's not his fault that he's not six foot tall. Uh, and if he was six foot tall, he might not even be here. Um, so, but if we sign Jack Curry. And that's what the talk is from Wimbledon. Is he going to be as good as Jay? Now, he may well be going forward, but how are you going to maintain the quality? And Brian said, well, you've got to realise it's not just about the money. And and I said, well, I don't care about the money. I don't care if they're all free transfer signings. How how are you going to... You're right there. there. Well, hang on, Dave. If Callas, Scott and um, De Silva go out, and three players come in, how are they going to be as good? And if you don't uh, extend the score, how do you improve things? That, right, that's, well, let me just say... I, I don't say I got be, the answer. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, Callas, because you, you said you said to Brian, 
if Jay goes, Callas goes, and Scott obviously goes as well, those three are quality players, right? But the fact of the matter is, you know, we haven't seen, we know Callas is a good player, but his on pitch minutes have been appalling. We've been without him for so long, yeah? So he's yeah. got to go. Jay, I, I, w- I wish he was five foot 10, not five foot four, and it doesn't mean he needs to be a giant. But if you look at, if you look at the, the shape of the team, and I'll come to you, Dave, on this. If you look at the, the team at the weekend that started, and you talk about bringing players in that are better than what we've got, right? Looking at that starting lineup, then King is probably not going to start any games as regular. Scott's going to go, right? Scott's going to go, yeah. But if you look at the rest of that team, okay. Max O'Leary, are we going to get another goalkeeper to be, compete with him, if not be number one? But if you look at the team that started, Tanner, Viner, Naismith, Bring, they're all going to be here starting next season. And if we're into this 4-2-3-1, then Dave, the, a fit Rob Atkinson would obviously come in alongside in, instead of Naismith. Would you agree with that so far, looking at that back four? Um, yeah, I might also think that I know he's had a wonderful season. We we might we might upgrade on Zach Viner in the summer as well. But then the sort so, of Zach Viner going to, to but Zach Viner's been one of our yeah, best players. Let's, let's, let's wait and see if he, let's 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 work on the principle that the three players that we that we've all said are gonna leave are gonna gonna leave, which is Scott Callas and, and De Silva. Okay. So right. let, so, let's just see. There's yeah. no there's no you know, I, you'll know from Previous pods, I'm a great believer in is a squad game. So people, you know, I, on the on the forum, people have said, "What you'd you'd leave Zach Viner out? He's been our best." I said, "If someone, if we sign someone in, over the summer who's as good as, or better than, or performs better than, or is a better fit for what we need, then Zach Viner goes back to being, you know, a, a, a squad player, for example, and that's got to be good for the team. And I think that that applies all over the pitch. Mm. I think if we look at Alex Scott. Trying to replace Alex Scott with another Alex Scott. It's a bit like trying to replace Antoine Semenya with another Antoine Semenya. It ain't going to happen. So what we have to do is to find a way of playing that we don't have to have a player like that and we bring in players that are a good fit for how we want to play. And and that might be the most unfashionable player in the world might come in and be exactly what we need. We don't know that yet. So we have to kind of wait and see how summer summer pans out. You know, talking McCrory, you know, and I've, I've seen snippets of him, I've done the data on him or whatever, so I know a bit about him, but he could be an absolute masterstroke. You know, I think most of us sat here last summer and said of the summer signings, we probably thought Mark Sykes was probably the most meh signing of them. But let's see what he's like. He's done pretty well, hasn't he? He's had a pretty good season. Oh, yeah. He had a bit. And so so I think we just have to wait and see where we are in the in the summer. So I think there's undoubtedly scope to improve the squad without having to spend much money because it's a a squad that lacks real depth. And and I think you, you look at that back four, you could you could you could bring in someone better than Tanner at right back. I don't think you will. Um you could bring in someone better than Zach Viner. He might have had a, he might have had his Andy Viman season like Andy had last season. So you you never know, do you? So we just have to kind of sit there and play by the one thing I would say on Jada Silva going, Cam Pring's our, our best left back. So Jada Silva, oh, without, with, in, without in, in theory, he's going to get minutes. He's an expensive uh, minutes, isn't he? Well, Even I, if he signed a reduced contract. 
Well, I was campaigning for Campring for about two seasons before he actually got the minutes and got the games. So, you know, I'm never going to argue with you there. I, I, I think, no, my, my idea is we haven't had a great experience in bringing in lads from League Two. They seem to take a whole year to get to the physical fitness. George Tanner did two hamstrings. Um, Kane Wilson has, has come in, he's done his knee and he's having a bad time. Uh, not in the squad, not playing for the under-21s. He, he's, you know, he's the guy that we we don't know where he is and nobody seems to really want to... But apart from Pearson saying, well, he needs to get himself fit. Um, so you, you don't know what's happening there. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, pontificate about what might or may not be happening. Quite frankly, I don't know. But he, I, all I know is, is he's not playing any football. Um, I guess on your point, Ian, around, you know, George Tanner from League Two takes, you know, a season to to step up. I'm guessing yeah. the theory from our outside view looking in is camperings are nailed on left back. Um, yeah. Let's just, you know, hope he doesn't get injured or anything like that. Jack Curry is the, the, the left back to come in and, and spend, you know, six months, you know, up, maybe up to Christmas getting himself up, up to speed, ready to kind of, then start to to feature a bit. I think with George Tanner, he kind of got thrust in straight away because one Zach Viner didn't play very well, and, and, Danny, Viner, Viner, and, Danny, and Danny Simpson played worse, so he kind of had, yeah. had to play. So he didn't quite get that bedding in. Probably hadn't done the groundwork on his fitness, and it is a huge step up in physicality, isn't it? You know, not you know, oh, about, you know strength and conditioning and all that kind of stuff from from League Two to to Championship, and therefore that probably set yeah. him back three or four months as well. And he showed what a good, good player is. So I think I think those players can come in and, you know, even the youngsters we've shown, once they get training with the first team group, they have to improve quickly. Well, there's a big difference between a lad that has come up at the club since he was eight. So your um, Sam Bells, your Tommy Conways, and somebody that comes in that we've signed from, so I'll say Bath City. So somebody like Cundy. Huge mm. difference because they've been brought up, trained, coached, call it what you will, properly. You know, they haven't learned the game on the hoof or they've been doing a full-time job or something. And yeah. that's mocking people that come into the game that way. But there seems to be a huge difference in, the, in those type of players. So, Certainly at championship level as well. Yeah. Oh, I think so. And, and the yeah. level, I mean, years ago, you could get somebody from the old Division 4 or Division 3, and there wasn't that much difference when they came up. Blimey now. It, 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 I think there's probably 20% difference between, at least, between um, League 2 and League 1, okay. and probably another 30 up to the Championship. And I, as you can see, people like Forrest Green. I mean, fantastic yeah. in League 2. We signed Kane Wilson, League 2 player of the season. He can't get in our team. Poor lad had a bad injury as well. And Forest Green have just been relegated. Yeah. So it, it, there is that gulf there. And then when you go from the Championship to the Premier League, well, just think of a number in Dublin. It's, what is it, 50%, 60% different? So this business, this business about fitness, and we've said like, oh, well, let's get a good pre-season in. If we do our business early, and we know when we've done business early, we've usually had a successful season. you know. But if you do the business early, then... They get the chance of having that preseason, don't they? Because somebody like Curry, if he's not up to fitness, 
but he signs in the second week of May or the first week of June when the yeah the, the windows open again, he's got the time to build up that fitness, surely. And, you know, we shouldn't have... If you sign a player in September just before the window shuts, he's had a League One, League Two type of pre-season. That's a viable excuse in my book. But, you know, I think... Um, well, he might have been. A, just he, might have so a, he might have had a Premier League preseason. If you if you bring in somebody that there's talk of Jake O'Brien from Crystal Palace, who we know we yeah. try to get in the January window, um, he might have had a Premier League season and yeah. playing with the likes of Zaha and 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 the players that Palace have got up front. So, I mean, do we think I suppose it can cut both ways? Season and fitness. Do we think? Harry Cornick is going to be a better Dave, you first. Harry Cornick is going to be a better player than what we've seen so far with a decent preseason. Because to me, he he is a he is a match day 18 player at best. But Ian, you've already said to me he's not in your he's number seven. If you looked at the sort of seven players that would be deemed as our most well, I, I think you first, sorry, you first, Dave. What, what do you think of Cornick since we've not spoken about him? Um, I guess I'll, I'll start off with saying the Harry Cornick that plays for Luton is a is a pest, okay, and suits the way they play and is an effective player. He's a bit ungainly, you know. He's not a natural looking footballer, if that if that make makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and therefore. I'm I'm quite happy that we signed a player like that on you know a few hundred thousand pounds, which is a sensible signing for someone you know of, of that age. Has he done it since he's been here? No, he's probably overall he's been a bit disappointed. I think that's fair to say. Do I do I do I think that he's crap? Absolutely not. And I think we saw. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was was it second half against Stoke where Pring started it in Diag's to you know from left back to, to right wing we started to see Harry Cornick give their left back a real tough time physically we started to pick up bits and pieces off him which is a bit like Luton play then we saw him start against Middlesbrough and he probably Middlesbrough was his best game and actually yeah. you know for, for me he was man of the match that, that night I thought everything kind of buzzed off of him that night and you know got his tap in that time he managed to score from half a yard rather than miss from a yard um, he got his assist to set up set up belly, and I think that that's the kind of performance that I expect out of Harry Cornick. A lot of people say he needs a preseason to get fit. I don't think it's fitness with him. I think he's adjusting from coming from a completely different style of football to what we play. Luton are the most direct, fast-paced side in the championship. Everything is about percentages, about bits and pieces. They let the balls out to add a buyer. At a bio or to Morris, and it's up to people to feed off. Or if you know one of those is missing, Cornick was that player who, who, who played. All of a sudden, he's having to come short and link up play. He's getting used to it. Also, at a time when City are transitioning as a team style away from playing counter attacking to try and play in a little bit more possession, so mm. it's almost kind of a you know the worst time to kind of join in some respect, but. You get him in in January for three hundred thousand, rather than risk maybe not getting him in the summer. I guess was the, the thinking behind it. So, am I worried about him? No. Might I sit here in six months' time and say, um, for, yeah, it's not been a great think, sign. I, mean, I, I think what do. you're saying is that there's a danger, and you you're not judging him yet. There's a danger that he's going to be one of those 
club in the bag type of signings because is he if you're saying every piece of business that we do in the summer the players have got to be better than what we've got and if we sign just four and that means Alex Scott obviously we're assuming he's going but you know he's he's not necessarily going to be a starter uh yeah I don't necessarily say better than what we've got I think better fit than what we've got now and and you might find that change our system up a little bit next, you know, over pre-season, play slightly differently and alluded to earlier about, you know, Weiman behind two strikers. We might just alter it a little bit and play two strikers, in which case you might play Cornick uh, closer to Wells or closer to Conway. And all of yeah. a sudden you've, you've got something that, you know, suddenly gives Andy Weiman that, that lease to be able to link up with a front two. I think, I think we've mass- massively missed Having having to play Wells on his own through the middle, or we play Bell through the middle on his own as well, and they've had no one close to them. So I I think we we wait and see how we try and play over the summer. And you know, Cornick might be a revelation; he might be a flop. Who, yeah. who knows? Yeah, no. But I, I, he, he's yeah. he's shown enough in games to show that was the thinking behind him signing. I I can see that, but it hasn't necessarily materialised on the pitch yet. Yeah. Ian, uh, Nigel talked about uh, each team needs a maverick and uh, we've had that maverick signing, you know, allegedly a seven-figure fee in uh, Anis Mometi. Um, it, you know, he's undoubtedly got talent, but he could do with beefing up a bit because when you have those balls where he's faced, he doesn't seem to have the physical strength to get past his man, does he? And do you, you, would you would you have expected... Any more from Mametti than what we've seen so far, Ian? Not, not really. I mean, he's a little bit like Ronaldo when he first went to Man United, and and it was he wouldn't do three step overs and then go on and cross it or score. He'd do seventeen step overs and hit the defender with the cross, and that's why Ferguson kept him out of the side for a while and, and drip fed him in there until he'd learned that. You get the ball in early sometimes. You shoot earlier sometimes. Um, and I'm not comparing. They are a similar type of player, or they were when Ronaldo was younger. I mean, Mimetti isn't as big and powerful as Ronaldo developed into, and there's nothing like that quality of player. But he's an absolute nuisance, and I think he's shown some really good... Um, I think he's got good pace. I think he's got good skill. I think he's turned himself a little bit since he's been with us into a little bit of a one-trick pony where he's always cutting in from the left on his right foot and he needs to use his left foot more. And I think that was interesting about Sam Bell, who's playing that position, on Saturday. that Sam was doing the guy on the outside as well as trying to come in on his stronger right foot. So that's what the kind of thing he needs to do. He needs to get his crosses in early. He needs to cross better, particularly with his left foot. Um, I don't think he needs to be... You know, we're not looking at a, a Carlton Morris type um, character. Uh, and with Harry Cornick, I think he, he does need to get fitter because he seems to be blowing a bit after 70, 75 minutes. And I think he definitely needs to get a lot stronger because he's too easily shoved off the ball or yeah. doesn't quite complete the pass because when a challenge comes in. Yeah. So I think if he could do that, he wasn't a ton of money. Uh, but... For me, players like Conway, Bell, Naki Wells, um, Andy Voiman even, start instead of him, albeit I wouldn't play 
Andy Vyman in that wide right role. As I say, I think it's about when we went to a back four and started playing, putting square peg square pegs in square holes, we started to to do a lot better. And and I think that's one lesson that we'd learned from this season. And and we have improved on the injury situation. I mean, when people are talking about, well, we you know we brought Tanner in, we brought him in early. We had to because at one point in that season. We had 21 players injured because as soon as we brought the young players in, uh, like Sam Bell came in, started a game, tore his hamstring. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you had um, Opie Edwards came in, played played one game or came on as a sub, did his calf, and then left the club. We never yeah. saw him again. And it and Andy uh, Nathan Baker ACL or, or was it hamstring ACL? I think in close season. A hamstring. Your hamstring. Then um, Andy Boyman did his ACL. I mean, I mean the, the Holden Pearson season, I'm not blaming the two managers, but that really was, if you want to see injuries beyond belief, look back at that season because we were just listening and listening and listening. Dave, accepting the fact that we've had a lot of injuries, do you yeah. look, are, are, are we outside of the norm because I know I think I've seen one table where you put available minutes or minutes being available for selection mm. do we feature in a manner that we have got a problem that really does need to be sorted out or are we somewhere in the middle if, if I ooh, I'm just trying to click down my spreadsheet sorry Dave oh, I can't, can't remember what the totals are but I think all part, on average, all part, we're 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 just we're just up we're we're somewhere between four and five players unavailable through injury each each league game. And how does and that some compare, of that? Uh, how know, does that compare with? I, I suspect it, it ain't much different than most clubs, apart from we've got a small squad and it therefore exposes it more. So I suspect most clubs have got two, three, four, five players out every, every single every single week. The, the question I can answer is how quickly do some of those players come back? How quickly do they pick up some other their another player pick but up an taking, injury? Taking a team like Coventry, which is one of the clubs we use as an example, and if they have four or five players that are out, are their second string players better than ours? Because it was interesting. Uh, I asked, uh, and Ian was there. This is at Senior Reds. I asked Brian Tinian about Duncan Idahan, who seemed to be a little bit of a persona non grata at the start of the season after his failed transfer, uh, loan transfer to uh, Carlisle, and then is now captaining the under-21, but not getting in the matchday squad. Tinian seemed to rate him quite highly, and this is a player that mm. played yeah, he did. not badly in a couple of matches towards the end of last season. So Yeah, I, I think, you know, when, when you start trying to compare with you, Commentaries, your Lutons, your Millwalls, and your Prestons. I, you know, Ian, we've probably had some interesting discussions in inverted commas on 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 Twitter about this. My view is those those teams are two, three seasons ahead of us in terms of executing their plan. You know, Ian, you might disagree, and that's, that's fine. That's a problem. Uh, and therefore, they've enabled them to kind of build, not necessarily depth. It's difficult to difficult to quantify, Dave, but they don't seem to be as exposed when they have a couple of injuries, what we do, you know, I don't think they're bringing in, you know, Andy King and Omar Taylor Clark to play in the centre of midfield like we are. And and that's, you know, and some of that's 
you know, perhaps our own doing, you know, by letting people like Masengo go out on loan, for example. So I think it's a difficult one to answer. I think what we're trying to do is to keep costs down. And I think these last two years have been about trying to trim as much fat off the squad as possible so that actually we can go into this summer and be proactive. And I think Semenyo's transfer out in January was all about, you know, wouldn't we have liked to have kept him to the summer? But actually, we get the money in now. We can now really start planning for the summer. And, you know, this is this feels a bit unheard of for Bristol City to, you know, and it might be paper talk, who knows, but to almost have a transfer in the bag and we're still in April. You know, yeah. that, that's that's encouraging from my point of view. Yeah. So I, I don't know, Dave. I'm not sure if I've answered your question or not, but I've yeah, no, rattled on. So probably, I'll probably I'll let you have a say. Yeah, go on, Ian. What's your what's your take on the on that what we were just talking about there? You know, the well, idea, I the idea, you know, because there's another player that you know how you've got to bear in mind we've got low, you know, we have we've had low and Leeson in the match day eighteen and no Idaho, but then we've well, also got is it the we other had low, we had Wood. Wood, sorry, Wood and Leeson. Lowe's the one up at Warsaw, isn't he? Yes, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got three players there. Two that have featured in match day 18s out of necessity because of a threadbare squad. One that's on loan. One that we've got our head of recruitment saying, actually, he's not a bad bloke, you know, and he's got his act together. And you wouldn't make him captain of the under 21s, which has been very successful. So, you know. We... Well, in terms of, you know, we let's, let's talk about um, the, uh, the, Luton, uh, the Luton thing. Um, Brian Tinian's view is those are the clubs that we should be able to compete with. And he's basing it really on budget. So you look at if Luton can do what they did and bear in mind the, the last season they made the playoffs, not this season where they're going to make the playoffs, but last season, they also had horrendous injury problems. But strangely, Cal Naismith was an ever present. So, um, they had loads of problems. I mean, they. I remember watching one of the playoff games and Sky listed them. There was a whole, must have been about a dozen players there that were out with, and I mean proper injuries. They weren't just at a knock and, you know, this guy hadn't played all season and this one's done his hamstring and somebody else. So it wasn't just us. But his point was, but they still did it. And the particular clubs he mentioned are all the ones that are up the top-ish without parachute money. And... That's what the clubs we're trying to emulate. Now, that doesn't mean to say we're going to follow their model. It just means that that's who, that's what we need to do. So keep the budget sensible. Uh, we get double their crowds in a lot of cases. Um, and we've got a lot of commercial streams going on around Bristol City. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, Phil Alexander is going to increase those because for everything you read about him from Palace that's, that's, what, his forte, that's what his forte was wasn't he, it? he's he's the commercial guy yeah. so yeah I'll take Dave's point they're further along in what they're doing because they've had more continuity they haven't had Mark Ashton and Lee Johnson and then Steve going from complete largesse to you know yeah you can sign 72 players do what you like to complete austerity and people can say ah yeah but you've got to remember covid well covid didn't just happen in bristol oh i know i Clubs know. haven't lost the money that we've lost so we've gone from that behavior that one thing dave and i have agreed on for years 
is the lack of, of financial sustainability and probity. It, it, you just looked at it, you thought, yeah. it's mental, we can't afford it. You can't go on lo losing well, money. Well, like we're not even accountants, are we? You here, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here. Look, the, the, ignoring the transfers that have happened in this financial year, but the last three years' losses, it's gone 38, Dave, hasn't it? 38, 28, and this year, you know, allowing for the wage cuts before any transfers, probably going to be about 20 mil, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. And I know you used the term on the forum, I think, last week. You know, we've got this financial beer moth, if that's the right word, of the overhead base that's associated with Bristol City, part of Bristol yeah. Sport. And we're carrying disproportionate as, amounts of that, are we? Is that what you were implying? As, as an eight. As an outsider looking at it, I just said I'm not an accountant either. I think, you know, I say Nigel Pearson, the, the football side, I think have done a real good job in bringing the finances back down into something that, that's sensible. Yeah. I think the rest of the group, and, you know, probably Mark Kelly might come on and say, well, it's not, you know, Ashton Gate's efficient as well. I think it's all those other costs that sit in both profit and losses for. Um, Ashton Gate Limited and Bristol City Limited that look out of kilter with a turnover on the football side of whatever it is, 16, 17 million and a turnover on the Ashton Gate side of 10, 12 million or whatever it is, 15 million maybe. I, I think our cost base is too high. And I think, you know, I, I totally agree with Ian. COVID affected everyone. I think it affected the likes of us, Cardiff, all those kind of clubs who've tried to spend too much, it hit us at the wrong time. It hit us at the peak of our spending the season after we'd committed to lots of players on big contracts with big fees. And and it's it's taken until this summer. I, I kind of see this summer as being a bit a bit of our ground zero, our first summer of being able to yeah. do what we want to try and do. And nor do I think we're going to get our summer recruitment 100% right, nor do I think the plan is to try and get, of course the aspiration is to get the squad as strong as possible but we won't do it in one window either it might be this and January you know, and maybe next summer before maybe we summer. really get a squad because this is the this is the first real window Pearson's been, out, been able to go out there and say actually, here's the kind of players I want and, and not have to sell first, hence the kind of Semenyo comment early on we can get on that front foot. So we're not just going to play front foot football. We're going to try and do front foot recruitment as well. And I think yeah. that, that's kind of quite refreshing, I think. Hopefully I think it's really it. good. I think it's really good. Listen yeah, here, to here, here. I, I Listen just... to what Brian Tinian had to say. I think it's in uh, I think it's in good hands, to be honest. So all looking good. Hey, guys, look, time to wrap up. Uh, but we can't do that uh, without uh, first mentioning uh, the ladies who've got promoted, well done them, to the WSL. I mean, Ian, the gap between, I think you might have said this to me in conversation or put it on Twitter, but the gap between where the ladies have come from and where they're going to is potentially bigger than the gap between Championship and uh, and, and Premier League. Would you agree with that? And it's going to be a hell of a step up for them, isn't it? Yeah, but well, congratulations. From, from someone that would 100% know, um, Chelsea's highest paid player would be earning 10 times what our highest paid player would be earning. Now, you might say, well, actually, that's the same as the men. But unless 
Steve is because that's where the money's going to have to come from. And I, I don't know what how the television money works in the ladies' game. I, I do know from conversations and interviews I've heard from Emma Hayes and um, the Man United and Arsenal uh, women's managers that it, it there's it's nothing like uh, the money that's available in the men's game. And what um, a top woman's player would be earning a year would be what some less than some of the top men's players earn in a week. So it, it, it's nowhere near. Now, unless Steve's going to put in a, a, a decent amount of money, um, I, it'd be, I, we need to do something really creative and clever to compete in that division. Otherwise, we might finish up getting relegated like we were last season. Yeah. But <laughs> I know Liverpool ladies... I think. Um, Go on, yeah. So I was just going to say, I, th- I think knows. you know, once again, th- things changed two or three seasons back when. I think it might have been the perhaps the final season when we went down to the season before that. I think that was the season that Barclays came in with their their sponsorship, and I think, you know, I, I'm again outsider looking in here. I think some clubs realised that that was the season you had to stay in the women's. Super League or whatever it was called, and things had a rebrand since then. And we were the team that missed out and went down. And and that golf's become bigger. It's almost a bit like you know the, the kind of parachute money that, that's going on. We we missed out on it, and, and other teams have now grown stronger. And Ian's right. If we if we want to compete, we've got to go and put some some money into it next season. But I I also think you know we're not talking about competing with. I've got a table up in front of me. We're not talking about competing with Man United. Man City, Chelsea, and, and Arsenal we were the top four in the in the women's league because I think all or if you know certainly three out of those four are all playing European football, so they're also getting more money from from that side of it as well. Yeah. It's about competing with you. You know, looking at it now, it's going to be probably Leicester, Reading, or Brighton, one of those three that go down. It's about competing in those bottom five, six, and being competitive yeah, in that, and I winning agree those with that. those types. Of, yeah. And, 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 and that's and very, much think, we would be, very much what we would be if you, we got to that top level. We'd be competing to yeah. say, yeah. we'd be the, in the, the bottom thing. eight. We'd be in the bottom eight of the Premier League. That's the best we could ever hope for, bottom yes. eight, and trying to stay out of... Uh, I don't, stay out I don't of think there's any financial fair play in, in, in that, not that I'm aware of. So, And I think the other thing is, however much it costs, even though that sits under Bristol City Football Club, from an FFP point of view, certainly the current current rules that might change, then all of our women's stuff gets offset anyway. So it wouldn't affect the foot, the, the men's side of it if, if Steve decided to dip into his pocket. I think just going back on the wager, it's probably four or five years ago, Steph Houghton, who was the England captain, which I guess she might get a recall now. Uh, Williamson's just got injured. She was given a contract, which was supposedly, I think, the highest paid player in the women's of 60 grand a year. Yeah, okay. not Nothing. sixty grand. That, that's so. I think Ian, you yeah. might have said, or Dave said just now, they're paid about what a player might be paid a week. I don't expect those ratios have changed much, you know. And, and therefore, I, you know, I, I wonder what our our ladies are on. I expect some of them are they're doing university courses as well. It's almost a bit of a full time or full time semi pro, if that makes it, makes it's sense. Like playing, yeah, it's like playing uh, the sort of money involved, Dave. You. It's about what you learn as a top semi-pro. Yeah. So okay. you're not you're not looking at. I mean, it, so and I think you're right. We're not going to compete with the likes of those clubs. And in fairness, 
when you see Arsenal, I think they had 45,000 in the in in uh, the Emirates for for that uh for the ladies game and i mean barcelona women have, have played in front of 90,000 yeah. so it is you can, and you play in european football i mean uh, and it's not cheap to go well uh, sometimes it can be cheaper to go in those grounds national gate but you've got 90,000 people in there at 10 reach is still a lot of money isn't it um, so uh, yeah I, I think i mean well done to them. Yeah, brilliant achievement to get back yeah. up because you know, it's, and maybe, oh, maybe amazing. I mean, I, I, I don't care if, if, if Bristol City or are or are playing tiddlywinks in our brooks at three o'clock in the morning. I want them to win, um, and I want everybody down there to do well. The football yeah. club, the rugby club, the Flyers, all of them. Yeah, I think oh, we've only got to see. We'll all be happy. We'll all be happy. It's, Dave, just just on, one one last thing, just on that. I think we've seen it in rugby when Bristol were in the whatever the league's called below the Premier League. Um, we've seen it this year in the in the conference. Any league that's got only one team to promote can be a bit of a lottery because you could end up with two really strong teams in there, and, and we've seen that certainly in the conference with Wrexham and, and Notts County. And you know, Notts County, you know, Sod's Law says they probably miss out on the playoffs now, having you know. Got however many points they have, so I think it's a, it's a it's a brilliant achievement, and 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 I think as well, it's it's a one club thing. I think you know you've only got you know not that Nigel Pearson will want to take any credit at, at all, but you can see that he's he's bought into it, and other people have bought into it. You know, I think some of the players who did I hear was in the crowd yesterday watching Max and someone else were there. You know, and things, and I think that's that's kind of quite nice, isn't it? And, Brian, oh, and interestingly, Brian said at the luncheon last week the fact that everybody is on the we we mock the HPC for its so-called name, but he said the club is all in one place because he said you know they were a couple of players short, I think, for eleven v eleven, and they just went and plucked a couple of the kids out of one of their lessons and gave them the experience of playing amongst more senior players, whereas in the past they'd be the other side of Bristol. So it's all looking good. Okay, um, look, we could talk for a lot a lot longer. It's been good to have you on, Dave, and obviously Ian uh, as well. We'll be doing the Burnley game, our review of the Burnley game on uh, Sunday morning, uh, recording that probably about 10 o'clock. Might do it on Zoom again uh, as well. Um, and uh, be returned to Ashton Gate for Josh Brownhill. And I think everybody's hoping that uh, we can extend uh, the unbeaten start uh, to 2023. One more game, make it make it a perfect 10. Uh, Dave, your thoughts for uh, Burnley game? Be nice to remain unbeaten uh, going into yeah, I, I hope that they're two recent results since they got promoted are an indication that they're on the beach and we can uh, we can win the game but yeah they're a good side aren't they yeah and Ian your thoughts on the Burnley this coming weekend I, I think it'd be very interesting um, there's some conversation uh, around Alex Scott and should he play should you take the risk of him getting injured in those last two games if indeed he's going to be going out the club for I'll call it 25 to 30 mil however that's made up do you risk him because if he gets injured, he's not going anywhere. No. So I think it'd be interesting. I think knowing the way that... I think he's off to Argentina, and I think that, you know, I think he could get injured there as well. So I think you just have to... Yeah, I think... You know. But it, it's just... It, it, if we have got the deal in place, it would be interesting. I mean, Nigel Pearson will play him. 
Um, I, I've got no doubt about that. Would I? Because uh, I think selling him is is everybody seems uh, resigned to it. Probably in the right way, it'd be a fantastic opportunity for him to go somewhere and play Premier League football. Um, but if if he um, they're resigned to him going, and and I think in in some ways, a little bit like the Antoine Semenyo money, it's already spent because if you're looking at two million for or thereabouts from McCrory, and it's always up to these days, we won't be writing him a check for two million quid, and you've got a, a, million, a million eventually for Mametti. We've already spent three million of the Antoine money, yeah. so we need to yeah. top that from Scotty. Yeah. And I think Nigel would be—he might get five million of that to strengthen yeah. the squad. So I think that's interesting. I personally go on the attack against Burnley. I think they're—they're they're trying to. Hopefully, by the time they get there, they'll have clinched the league and have nothing to play for, and we can play a really great, entertaining game. And I'm it really be a good way. It should be a good way to end the season. And for me, yeah, it's it Scott and getting injured. It'd be very nice if we could tie Scott. Well, if Scott's going to go, him to go as quickly as what Lloyd Kelly did when he left, which I think was pretty much. No, Dave doesn't think that's going to happen. No, uh, I, I, I still think Lloyd Kelly selling him in May was a that was vanity. a financial bit of financial engineering. Wasn't and we it? don't, we don't, we don't need Alex Scott's money before. May the thirty first. No, I, I was just year. worried about him. If he, if he's, as you said about Argentina, if he's going on tour, and as Ian said, he'd get injured over there. We want the deal done and dusted, or you know, we want like to buy a house. We want the deposit paid already. I don't think. I don't think he'll. Anything will start getting serious on him until he's back from that. I don't think that we'll. We'll sell him out, and you know this is probably you know a fan talking rather than you know anyone with any kind of real thought. I still think he needs to make sure he goes to the right club. Oh, you know, he's got, he's got. A, yeah. If he looks at his, his, you know, Antoine, who's had diddly squat minutes, hadn't he so far? I think you'd look at that and think, well, that's a bit disappointing. You know, I've I've, I've gone to a Premier League club and I'm sat warm on the bench, and I think Alex Scott's been pretty consistent saying he wants to play. I, I think he's I, not I think Scott, but I'm sure when Antoine sat on the bench, he's probably thinking, this ain't great from a football perspective, but bloody hell, I'm earning 15, 20 grand a meet more than I was before. Yeah, but, but I think Alex is a bit different in his mindset. He wants to, he wants to play football. You, uh, a lot of footballers, you know, I think there are some that are prepared to sit, sit on their backside and just count the cash. Um, uh, but I, I think he, he'll want to play. I mean, would it be beyond the realms... Of possibility and Brian Tinian, some of the things he said about loans were very interesting as well. That they see loans as developing a player for another club. So if they go after O'Brien, for example, they're looking to buy him. Um, and they don't want to develop a player for another club. However, if you could get somebody again like Tammy Abraham, that player could also get you, he, he might add a lot of noughts to his transfer value for his parent club. But he could also get you promoted to the Premier League, which adds yeah. a lot of noughts. I think yeah. that's the that's the kind of position in it. Are we? It's a, I don't think it's we a trade off. Day. I don't want yeah. I don't want ten known players, but one or two really good ones. You only got to see what's happened at Sheffield United with a different same mate. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go back to my ball okay. yeah. we'll Stop there. Yeah. All right, let's stop there. Yeah. Have a great rest of the week, guys. As happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bow, 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 and along, along.
there'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins are bubba-bubbing along. When the red, red robin come bob-bob-bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.